Hey guys, welcome back to Modify Lifestyle. I'm your host, Andrew. And it's your boy, Ranch. And I don't know if you, if you guys have seen this, but I think last week or the week before, there was a new picture that came out of the new BMW M3 mm-hmm. Touring. Yeah. And I don't know if, like, BMW, they confirmed that they are making, like, an M3 Touring. So this is, like, the first wagon variant of the M3. But we haven't seen any, like, specific designs of it until now. And honestly, if you guys have seen it, you you know what I'm going to say. It's pretty ugly. Yo, I don't know what it is. BMW is just making their cars uglier and uglier by the by the day, I swear. Yeah, it, it's like they want people not like not to buy their cars or something. Yeah, I, I think that it's going for a certain look. They still want to have like, you know, the futuristic slash boxy look to their cars now. And they want to still incorporate, you know, the old school, um, you know, uh, front grills on these cars. Yeah, so this this car, it kind of takes inspiration from the X7. So if you guys remember when the X7 first came out, there were a lot of memes about it. Yeah. Um, mostly, I think this one turned into a meme too. Yeah, this is definitely going to turn into a meme yeah. too. Yeah. Basically because of the grill. Like the grill is just, it just gets bigger every year. It's obnoxious. Yeah. It's like the Lexus grills. You know how like uh, they, they just put a massive grill on all their SUVs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like that. They yeah, just keep, I see. keep going more massive and massive every single year. Yeah, it just gets bigger and bigger. I think there's there's a whole thing with, you know, manufacturers and they think that people just want massive grills on their cars. And I, I think certainly it's not it's not the thing that everyone wants on the cars. Well, the thing with BMW is that I've noticed like over probably the past couple of decades, like their design hasn't changed a lot. No, it hasn't. At all. Yeah. And they, a lot of the cars generally all look the same. Yeah. And they've, they've kept the, they call it the kidney grill throughout like basically all their cars all their suvs mm-hmm. sports cars even like right up to like the m performance right vehicles and all that kind of stuff yeah they all have like basically the same design and this is it's kind of this new m3 touring it's based off of that kidney de- design but it's just a lot larger what i do like about it though is them bringing the m3 touring yeah so this isn't the first m3 touring i think they discontinued it back in the early 2000s because they wasn't really selling well especially in the states i think it's really cool that they brought it back i just think they did a shitty job in bringing it back yeah definitely like the the design is a real deal breaker if you can say um when purchasing a wagon obviously like the wagon market has gone really hot in the recent years you know manufacturers from like audi and mercedes creating like these wagons with like supercar performances right right which are like really really hot now yeah and obviously you know bmw has to come out with something too yeah so i'm not surprised that you know the m3 tour is back i'm actually excited because now there's more competition in the market yeah but if we see this design at launch i think it's gonna make people question the decision to buy it right yeah in general i think in terms of the modifying industry uh, I think this might open up the opportunity of people using, you know, BMW as a platform to build the next, you know, dailies and, you know, performance in general. All right. So next up on today's episode of what car does Dodge throw a V8 into, we have the new <laughs> Ram 1500 TRX. Yeah, this, I mean, I think I read earlier this week that uh, they're gonna they're looking to get into off-roading a lot more. And that essentially is what this is. But your introduction is 100%. Yeah, I think like we've talked about this year. This is like the second car that they've thrown a V8 into. Obviously, they have like the Grand Cherokee. They have the Hellcats and Durango. 
and then now the TRX. So RAM, well, the internet claims that this is the Raptor competitor. Yeah. Which is obviously like the only competitor it has at mm-hmm. this price point and in terms of specs. Yeah, I can definitely see it. I mean, they're look they're going for more of the appeal, like how like they're just slapping a bunch of de- like you know off roading s- accessories on it. Yeah, and I think that's literally what they've been doing for like ever in terms of all of the cars. They ca- they make them look nice, and obviously then they just throw a V eight into it. Yeah, so obviously like the Ram fifteen hundred has been like basically the F one fifty's main competitor. Yeah, and for I think. Over a decade now? I don't know how long the Raptor's been out, mm-hmm. but it's been out for a while. It's been, like, the only car in that class that, you know, has really held a monopoly on the market in that segment. In terms of pickup trucks. Yeah. But honestly, like, whoever named this truck needs to be fired. Yeah, it but, doesn't make sense. Yeah, the, the TRX, it, it sounds like a budget pickup truck. You know what it sounds like? It sounds T-Rex. Like- T-Rex? Oh, I see that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of it makes sense, too, because yeah. if they're trying to compete with the Raptor, you yeah. know... I see. I see where they're going with that. I don't know if they meant to do that. You know, if they can, if the truck was just named T Rex, yeah, I think it would work a lot better. I think that's what I, when I was reading a couple of years ago, I think that's what they were essentially going to name it, the T Rex, right, so that it would compete with the Raptor, yeah, right, showing them that you know they can compete. Yeah, exactly. I think that would have made more sense. Cause yeah, it would have. They've had a con- they have this they had this concept for like a couple of years now, mm-hmm. and you know we're finally seeing it come to market now. Yeah. Uh, but like the Raptor, like the Raptor, it's just like a badass name. Yeah. You know, it just sounds good. The Raptor in general, everyone knows about it. Yeah. It's like, oh, I have a Ford Raptor, right? Yeah. Who, who's gonna say? Oh, I have a Ford TRX. Yeah, exactly. Or no, sorry, Dodge TRX. No one. No yeah, one's it, gonna it, fucking. It, just, it doesn't like shit. roll off the tongue very well. Yeah, exactly. And from a company that you know has basically made an entire lineup of cars from the name hellcat and demon you know i expected more from dodge yeah with the name in on this truck especially yeah i mean they could have like had a reference to the you know some similar to hellcat right yeah they could have just named it the hellcat like the ram the dodge honestly, ram hellcat yeah, yeah honestly but they could have it could because this car it has the hellcat motor it's mm-hmm. just over 700 horsepower yeah right so it shares a lot of similarities with the whole Hellcat Brandon. Yeah. All right. So just to run through some of the additional features you get on the Ram 1500 TRX. So obviously it comes with a more wider stance. So like a little wider fenders and like bodywork. It also comes with an optional bed mounted spare tire, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool to be honest. I don't know if any pickup truck out there has one of those. No, I, I haven't seen it to be honest. Yeah. So that's definitely new in like the pickup truck market. Yeah. Um, it also comes with beadlock capable wheels, which is obviously huge for off-roaders and it also has upgraded suspension obviously for off-roading capabilities in addition to like meteor tires too so one key thing for me uh, in general about suvs nowadays that we all see and I, I i'm sure andrew you can agree with this the interior is nicer than it was back in the day and it, it's more of an suv Rather than a pickup truck nowadays. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like, we've talked about that before. Like, a lot of the SUVs are, like, super luxurious now. And we see that in the pickup trucks, too. Which honestly makes no sense because it's a pickup truck. And it's supposed to be, like... A work truck. A work truck, basically. It's supposed to be, like, heavy duty and can handle anything. Yeah. But, like, when you have, like, leather seats and, like, suede on the interior, like... It's not going to stand up to, like, everyday wear and tear of, you know, a work site. Or, like, you know, whatever you're doing with a pickup truck. And I think they've they've honestly went mainstream with pickup trucks in general. Uh, you know, back in the day, it used to be about durability, right? What lasts the longest. 
and that's why a lot of people just stuck to with like cloth seats you know they didn't really mess with leather because it would peel quick quicker and all that kind of stuff so in general i think as uh, you know pickup trucks because they've become so mainstream and everyone wants them now especially in in and you know north america it, they've kind of just centralized it around you know appearance that's all it is about it's not about you know durability anymore it's not about you know what lasts the longest in in terms of pickup trucks which it should be still yeah i agree and i think that goes on for like the exterior as well like it's very sporty looking like especially this truck it's very like sporty looking and you know for the price you're paying i don't know if a lot of people would be comfortable mm. sending this thing off-roading no definitely not yeah and that's another thing right most people won't even take this thing off-roading right it's just a flex yeah basically but on the other side of things this thing has like supercar performance like like i said before it's 700 horsepower 650 foot pounds of torque which is insane for a pickup truck it goes mm-hmm. zero to 60 in four and a half seconds i mean the only thing comparable to this right now is probably the cyber truck mm-hmm. and that thing's not even out yet yeah right so dodge is really like killing the game with this pickup truck and i think i am pretty sure the cyber truck will go off-roading oh yeah definitely not yeah but some of the other like supercar features it also has a flat bottom steering wheel which is <laughs> kind of weird to be honest like i'm thinking of flat bottom steering wheels like these were mainly designed for race cars right because they're so small and compact you need space for your or you you need more space for your knees right so the flat bottom it accommodates your knees better it's more comfortable all that kind of stuff but like in a pickup truck like this thing is huge yeah like like, there's so much space in it yeah and another thing is I mean, it's for turning, obviously, right? Yeah. When you're turning, then it doesn't hit your knees and all that. Have Has anyone, like, literally been in a pickup truck? That thing literally, like, roll, body rolls crazy. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't <laughs> even matter. Like, even yeah. if you're turning, like, your knees aren't, like, if you sat in a pickup truck, like... Your knees floor, are good. Yeah. Yeah, the floor and the seat, it's, yeah. like, completely different heights. It's not like a regular car. But, yeah, that, that, that feature doesn't really make sense to me. But, on the other hand, it does have launch control. Again, why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Dodge, so I'm not really surprised. Yeah. You know, we have a V8 in a pickup truck. What else is new? I can't wait to w- see the memes about it uh, and everyone crushing their TRXs. Okay, uh, to now move on to pricing. So the TRX is around 71000 uh, USD. And the Ford Raptor, its closest competitor, is 55000 USD. Yeah, so that's, that's a pretty big gap. Yeah. But to be honest, like the Ford Raptor, it has more of a legacy. You know, mm-hmm. people know about the Raptor. People know about its capabilities and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it significantly underperforms. Yeah. Basically in terms of like raw power. Yeah. Right. Because the the Raptor, I think now they're V6 twin turbos. Mm-hmm. Right. They used to be V8, but now they're V6. I think they're around just under 500 horsepower. Yeah. And obviously like the TRX, it's like 700 horsepower, right? Mm-hmm. It's a Hellcat engine, big yeah. V8. Yeah. So... I guess, you know, in terms of, like, the, the whole Hellcat branding that Dodge has going for them, yeah. it kind of makes sense. It kind of It's kind of in line with that. Yeah, definitely agree. I think they need to do a better job on, like, bringing the name, making it recognized. Yeah. Right? Because no one knows the TRX yet, but everyone knows a Raptor. Yeah, exactly. So, I think they, they'll probably have to do a lot more marketing yeah. on the TRX to, to be more of, like, a household name. Right. I totally agree with that. And I think then they'll, they might have a, a larger dominance in the market in terms of, like, performance trucks. All right. 
Uh, we're going to move on to our next segment with our guest, Amo Deshuta. Hello, my name is Amo Deshuta. Uh, that's my Instagram. Uh, my name is Armour Beer, actually. But uh, yeah, I'll be joining the podcast today to talk about some stuff. And uh, yeah, let's get right into it. Yeah, I was on the podcast a while ago, but uh, if you don't know me, uh, I drive a 2004 Lexus GS430. and uh, It's slammed. Ah, it's okay, but um, like I'm into Japanese cars and uh, stands and stuff like that. So I guess that'll be the new topic we're going to get into. Yeah, so like Emil said, uh, if you guys have been listening for a while, he was actually on one of the first podcasts I think we started. I think the very first, I think. Yeah, I think it might have been the very first. So, you know, it's been a while since you've been here and we're glad to have you back. So for today's topic, we're going to be talking about obviously like Japanese culture, something Emil is very familiar with. Very, very so obviously in North America, U.S. to Canada, we've seen a lot of influence from the Japanese culture. Yeah. I think one of the biggest influences we've seen is in the drift community. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot there's a lot of demand for old JDM cars, old JDM engines, and all that kind of stuff uh, in the drift community. Obviously, because of the longevity of the cars, and you know, those cars are kind of known for drifting, especially in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, since we didn't get them over here, they're they're really. Uh sought after because they're not as common as cars that we did get here and uh they're and the the motors the parts the cars can be idolized through the internet forums stuff like that so people are eager to get their hands on them mm-hmm. especially in canada as our import rule is 15 years and in america where the import rule is 25, 25 years yeah. and uh all those 90s cars they're all the, the a lot of the drift cars are from nowadays that people are trying to get um they're get, they're becoming legal now in the states so people are eager to get their hand, their hands on them yeah most definitely and i think that has to do with you know the culture that you know japan has in general a lot of people especially in the states and obviously canada now are really thriving to you know be a part of that culture right and i think that's where like you know the drift culture essentially obviously came from and it's kind of spread like a wildfire especially in the, in the states a lot of people are essentially getting cars from japan just so that they can you know either flex or you know send it just like it, as they did in japan yeah exactly i think that has like a huge influence mm-hmm. like in the u.s specifically because like the car community there is much much larger than over here in canada right so you see a lot more variety of cars especially those from japan yeah but i remember i think last year one of my friends he actually went to a car show out in calgary i believe i remember he was saying that even cars over there like there's a lot of right-hand drive cars over there because Mm -hmm. you know they're a lot closer to japan a lot of people just import these old jdm cars Mm -hmm. and build show cars out of them so in uh, bc and and alberta as well um as they're right across japan um, they're able to import right-hand drive cars easier than we have it here in Ontario, of course. And uh, insurance is a little bit more mm-hmm. relaxed over there as well for right. right-hand drive cars, which explains why more people have them. So I think one of the most iconic cars, I guess you could say, from Japan is probably like the Skyline, the whole Skyline line, and obviously like Supras, like Mark III Supras, Mark IV Supras. I know a lot of people like idolize those on the internet. And you see a lot of fanboys, like, just going at it when they see this on the internet. But there's a lot more, like, other JDM cars that are, like, super hot in the car community right now, too. 
Yeah, I, I think the, the, the recent ones are... I mean, you can blame Adam LZ for this. I think you can attest to this too, Ammo. I think yep. the chaser, right? Yeah, yeah. You can you yeah, can explain. I think yeah. you can explain this better. So especially with the uh, JZX 90s and JZX 100s, uh, you could thank Adam LZ for that. But uh, social media has played a large role in uh, mm-hmm. allowing people to figure out these cars, what they are, mm-hmm. wh- what people use them for in Japan, and how they are pretty cool in the in terms of the jay-z to the manual the rear mm-hmm. drive and stuff like that yeah which makes them more sought after especially in right. nowadays well i think the main point in terms of jdm cars is because they weren't actually built here right and they weren't actually sold here that's what really increases the demand for japanese cars in general uh, a lot of the people that actually import these cars you know they they want they really are interested in the jdm culture itself and i think that has a huge part in you know the import culture right a lot of people if you know like the supra was actually built here right but because there were such limited quantities right a lot of people started importing you know right hand drive ones because of a 2jz and then they as soon as the 2jz started getting more expensive then they went on to the, any 1jz cars right and then as soon as that happened, then, you know, they started exploring what else is out there, right? And I think that's the new, you know, thing about Japanese cars and builds. They're, it's mainly just people wanting JDM cars. That's it. Yeah, the, the JZX90 and JZX100 came in the uh, Mark II Chaser variant, and uh, they all had little subtle differences. Mm-hmm. Um, the 1JZ was, was not in all of them. But uh, um, they're mostly auto as well. But uh, manuals are pretty hard hard to find. Yeah. Especially as the R154 transmission is getting more expensive and harder to find. And uh, finding a clean one nowadays can cost you up to like 23k, 20k. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, and uh, we've seen that over here too. Like, like I said before, like the more more popular cars over here is like the Mark IV Supras. Like, the, I think that's probably like one of the most expensive JDM cars. Like, if you were to find a clean one, I remember reading an article like a fully stock car went for like a hundred k or something, which is like ridiculous if you think about it. But like, people are exploring other options too, like the S fifteen, S fourteen Silvias, right? Those are like super popular now too. Mm-hmm. And people really like those because of the rear wheel drive platform. You know, the manual transmissions. Mm-hmm. That's what people want in the car community right now, right? And like when you're priced out of the market of like an R thirty two, for example, or like a Mark four Supra. You know, there's other options, and I think that's what people are exploring now. Yeah, at this point, uh, people are exploring what other cars that came out of Japan um, that are interesting. You know, the rear drive platform, as you said. And at this point, it's just um, whichever person can get the car before other people, then you're then you're not paying large large amounts of money for them. Mm-hmm. But um, we, us in Canada, do have ten years on the USA, so we could, so we can grab those cars until until the US starts grabbing all of them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, obviously, like Canada, like there's not a huge demand yeah. for those cars in Canada. So at least right now, you know, we're able to get them at like a decent price mm-hmm. before they are legal to import into the U.S. Because as as we said before, the car scene in the U.S. is obviously much larger and uh, supply and demand and uh, the price go up, obviously. Yeah, and I think with the U.S. too is that because the car scene is a lot larger there, when these cars become legal for import, we're going to see a lot of people importing these cars just for show cars. Because I know I noticed that 
in the U.S., people use these old JDM cars for show cars. They don't even use them for like drifting or like no, they don't. You know, performance-wise, yeah. whatever. It's a lot of them is just for show right. cars. I I mean, I feel like the the U.S. culture in in general tries to replicate the Japanese culture way too much in terms of like drifting scenes, dance scene, all that good stuff. I I think we're never gonna be on the level of Japan, but I think if the U.S. ever gets to that point. They're just, it's literally just show, right? No one actually builds, you know, clean drift cars anymore. Well, yeah, it's just uh, people take certain aspects of the culture from Japan, like, for example, drift missiles, mm-hmm. and uh, they just appropriate that, basically. Mm-hmm. They just pick and choose parts that they think will be easier for them to achieve or, mm-hmm. or um, cheaper for them to, to get or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, they try and replicate those things, whereas doing things properly, as you could say, or d- the best of your ability anymore are really not... not really a big deal anymore like they're not it's not really existing especially in the states so kind of sucks because a lot of these cars get ruined once they come over here whatever so just just them not taking the time to do things Mm -hmm. properly or or to the utmost of their ability and a lot of these cars get ruined and they get passed around eventually get go to junkers or whatever parted out parted out whatever yeah Yeah, and i think we've seen like the memes from a lot of the 240 owners out there mm-hmm. you know people say that people are trying to keep these cars in good conditions but like in reality people buy these cars super cheap they mm-hmm. just abuse them drift them whatever and then they think they still have like a lot of value in them yeah but really they don't in terms of like the canadian car seat i don't think there's any old jdm cars that are show cars anything that i could think of right now at least well it's just that the the thing when they import these cars a lot of people who want to take care of them they think they're luxurious right so they don't mm. want to mess them up by stancing them or a lot of people that have the money to get these cars in the first place they're not really stance kids you could say mm-hmm. and uh they're not really into that but they're into more performance or show car stuff where uh mm-hmm. they can they're literally gonna off. build a car just to you know make it look nice that's about it yeah pretty much yeah at least nowadays people just follow whatever's trending on social media whether it be tiktok instagram mm-hmm. twitter whatever mm-hmm. and uh you know they're just uh picking and choosing things that they like and uh like it's pretty dumb because people have been in the scene for a long time and um they, they didn't really get the recognition that they need yeah that's right and uh people and you know japanese things have become a aesthetic now and uh, people are getting into more anime, whatever, manga, and stuff like that. Whereas before, you would get bullied for liking that stuff because it was weird. It was different right over here. Yeah, I remember and, used uh, to bully you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so like, that kind of pissed me off sometimes. But, like, it's also nice that more people are getting into it. So then the parts and things like that will become more accessible as more people mm-hmm. get access to um, these things, right? But it's also kind of a trend, too. Right, like the reason why people get into it is because everyone else is getting into it. Well, yeah, that that's where it comes yeah. down to the, the the people that know what's good, they'll they'll know. Right, and the OGs will always stay OGs. Because like, if you know, you know. Yeah. And if you don't know, like it does, like if you're not if you're not willing to put in the time to kind of research, learn about um, where it comes from mm-hmm. and uh, what how it is over there, then then you'll just be a trend follower rather than a trend setter yeah and i think that comes into play too like what you said before a lot of these like japanese cars come over here and people don't know what they're doing and then they just basically it gets destroyed mm-hmm. right i think that's what happens over here too like 
people just don't, you know, they just don't know the car. They don't do their research or whatever. They cut corners. And then a lot of these, like, classic JDM cars just go to waste. Yeah, exactly. And uh, as we're nearing the the end, you could say, of the, the, the great 90s cars that were made as Japan had a, had a huge boom in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And they were just making these sports cars for people and people were buying them. Mm-hmm. As we're nearing the end of, the, of that age... As uh, the, the especially the the, the twenty five year import rule is uh, getting more and more cars in now, mm-hmm. in the states. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how many cars are left and how expensive they become mm-hmm. when uh, when you want to import them. So I think last time I was looking at a Skyline GTR, I swear the prices were like above like seventy k for like a mint, you know, clean like completely stock. Right. Yeah, yeah. I remember like looking a while back like. Mm-hmm. Even to get like a sedan or something, it was like 20, 30k. Mm-hmm. And th- those weren't even GTRs. And it, it's kind of sad that a car like that will eventually just sit in someone's garage. Like, it's literally, you know, how we, you know, make fun of people that, like, especially in Canadian culture, we make fun of people that just keep their car. It's a garage queen. Yeah. Where yeah. I'm trying to get at, right? And we make fun of those type of people. But. When it comes down to JDM classics, we're like, oh no, you know, it's fine because you know it's a classic. But I feel like if you if you're gonna buy a car to that level where like you can you love it and you really want to like drive it, why would you you know just garage queen a car and just you know keep it there? Well, yeah, the, the it just boils down to what people think is valuable in their eyes. For some people, they might think it's a twenty year old piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. Whereas to people that that know the um, where it comes from and the, the the tuning capabilities or whatever, it's very valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I I think a um, middle ground between a show car and a clapped out drift car, basically, just like in the middle, so you can at least drive around like mm-hmm. street car. You know what I mean? You don't like I get show cars, right? You want to yeah. be able to like go all out, show that you know what the best version of this car would look like right but show cars are boring man once you're done it you're like what what else what's next yeah yeah i know and we've seen that a lot in the car scene like people just get bored of the car and they just end up selling it or parting it out i feel like uh, i agree with what ammo just said you kind of have to have a, the best of both worlds uh, you know have the obviously the show car look but still be able to just drive it on the street you know go to like the drift track if you need to you know send it a little bit that's kind of like what every not everyone needs to do but like more people need to start doing well it's like at the end of the day it's up to you um if you want a dedicated show car or a dedicated drift car obviously you know you have the car that's mm-hmm. that's up to you yeah but uh i think a happy medium in terms of a street car a car you can drive around and trash on a bit but still looks nice and still has things done to it properly mm-hmm. is a good happy medium where you can, we don't need to worry about it every time you pull it out of the garage. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of JDM cars. Like a lot of the older, like '90s JDM cars, like in my opinion, they look better than some of the modern cars nowadays. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, yeah. but like I think a lot of people in the cars can see that, and they think that they could build a kind of stance car, and because it's rear wheel drive, it's manual, it's also fun to drive. So mm-hmm. you know, it's the best of both worlds in that. Right. And I think that's why like the JDM cars are becoming so popular right now. All right, so moving on, uh, we're going to go to car of the week. So 
this this week's car of the week is actually from Ontario as well. Um, now we've been talking about you know air ride on like every single car, SUVs, you know, coupes, everything, and something that we've not seen up here in Canada so far are bag Teslas. Yeah, so this week's car of the week is a 2019 Tesla Model 3 mm-hmm. on air ride suspension. And like Rancho said, like we've never seen anything like this in Canada, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen something like this in person. But you know, I was actually surprised to see that this thing is actually in Toronto, to be honest. Yeah, same here. It, it kind of shocked me that we had one up here. I've seen some in the States. Uh, you know, a lot of people are starting to do it. Um, not up here. Which is, you know, pretty cool to see. Yeah, and honestly, like, the Tesla platform, you know, just because it's electric and I guess because it's kind of like a niche market, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of modifications you could do to these. Like, I've seen a couple on the road with, like, minor modifications here and there. But, like, in terms of suspension, I think if you were to do statics, I think they have, like, some kind of lower and links, which is what a lot of, well, I wouldn't say a lot, but, like, some people do to lower it a bit. But, like, in terms of air suspension, I I didn't even know they made, like, full kits for this. It has yeah. to be, like, some kind of custom kit or something. It was most likely a universal kit. And uh, the person literally just tossed that on to their stock struts. Yeah, that's what, that's what I would assume. Mm-hmm. But even, like, aside from that, like, even, like, the electrical system. Because it's an all-electric car, you know. It doesn't run on, like, 12-volt battery like normal cars use. So, mm-hmm. there's a lot more that goes into bagging a Tesla than a normal car. I'll yeah. say. I think that's what makes this one so it's special. It's much more complex. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what makes it kind of stand out more too. Because when you see a Tesla, like you don't expect something like this. Right. Like I think some of the more high-end Teslas, they actually have air ride suspension, but Inter- it's not. Integrated. Yeah, yeah, it's like fully integrated, but it's not like for like obviously stance. It's more of like functionality kind of thing. But like looking at pictures of this thing, like when it's aired out, it's like fully underground, like mm-hmm. touching the ground basically. Yeah. The wheels are from Stan's Wheels. I shit you not, that's actually the name. I was as shocked as you guys probably are. But they're based out of uh, California. And, I mean, the designs are very basic. Obviously, this is a rep company. Um, I think we've had this conversation before about people putting reps uh, on their cars when the price is almost equivalent. And especially on a Tesla. It's, it kind of makes it look cheap. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the, the wheels kind of throws it off a little. Like, even, like, from afar, you can see that, you know, they're not the best-looking wheels. But, like, aside from that, like, the thing's on air ride. Like, it looks good anyways. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on to meets for next week. So, the, uh, one of the uh, only meets happening next week. Uh, this is happening on August 29th. Uh, it's by Fat Farm EM1 and Osmos Woodbine. We went there last time. Pretty nice vibes. Obviously, the Osmos, probably the best part. And obviously, a lot of nice cars come around there. Yeah, you guys heard us talk about it before. We went there a couple weeks ago and pretty good meet. You know, it's nice cars, good vibes. You know, they have discounts at the Osmos too. So if you want to grab some food, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're calling it Chicken and Cars, obviously, because they're collaborating with Osmos. So, you know, that's it should be a good one. Yeah, added bonus. Go look at cars, eat, eat meat. All right, guys, that's about it for our podcast. Again, thank you, Amo, for coming on in. It was a pleasure to be here. Very interesting stuff today. And uh, maybe I can be on here again. You never know. Yes, it was great having you, Amo. We enjoyed your company. Again, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, Definitely hit us up uh, if you guys have any suggestions for topics, questions, or if you just have, you know, advertising inquiries, definitely hit us up at Northside Whips on Instagram and Facebook. 
And you can also email us, northsidewebs at gmail.com. Yeah, if you want to check out any of the stuff we talked about, including the card of the week, you can check out the show notes. We'll have everything linked down below. If you enjoy the podcast, definitely share it with anyone who you think would enjoy it. And if you're car enthusiasts, friends, all that kind of stuff. And thanks again for listening for another week. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>